Postcards from a Dying World, the podcast. For more than a decade, I've reviewed over 1,000 books that are mostly science fiction, horror, and bizarro. This feed will feature bonus audio I have produced over the years, as well as a monthly digest of reviews based on what I've read each month, plus the occasional bonus material about my own fiction. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to the August 2020 Postcards from a Dying World Book Review Digest. Now, this month of August was a heavy reading month for me. I read over eight novels, um, two of which we won't go too into depth about because they, they've got plenty of episodes and times and space. But anyways, the first book I read was Sarah Pinsker's Song for a New Day. The world has changed quite a bit since this novel was released, sadly for us, and Sarah Pinsker looks like a prophet a year after her debut novel, Song for a New Day. I'm sure she's already getting more than enough jokes about how she needs to write her next book about unicorns and rainbows for everybody. She's the winner of the PKD Award for her short story collection, and I was excited to dive into this novel that is a pandemic novel about social distancing written in 2019. Also, as a writer who has written about touring musicians myself, I'm always interested on, or in books on the subject. And that's what this book is about. Uh, Song for a New Day is a powerful debut set in a dystopian future where the world is divided into before and after. Large public gatherings like sports and music are banned. Hmm. A deadly virus is on the rampage. Hmm. Yes, this book was released in 2019, which means it's probably um, first written well before all of our current troubles. And the world that this novel um, is portraying is not exactly like ours because the exciting inci- the inciting incident is a series of terrorist attacks that make much of the world afraid of public gatherings. There is a disease, but that's not as much of a of the story as like the fear of public gathering um to becoming a target a song for a new day is very cool and a breath of fresh air in this speculative arena i think this is a must read for any musician missing the pull of the stage in live music it is a must read for science fiction readers looking for anything that's a fresh take on the future Next up is Laird Barron's Worse Angels, Isaiah Coleridge, number three. I wouldn't say that Worse Angels is weird crank to 11, but the guitar has a lot more distortion, and if I, if I can beat that analogy to death. This novel is more, is more like the moment when peanut butter and jelly slices of bread come together. Okay, I can see that traditional crime readers might be thinking, what the fuck am I reading? But you are reading a crime novel spun through the brain of a deep-thinking cosmic horror writer like Laird Barron. So the Isaiah Coleridge novels are excellent tough guy crime, and the best part is they're intelligent and thoughtful. I consider this series a must-read for me, but I'm not going to go too far into depth about it because... I interviewed Laird for this podcast, so if you missed that episode, go back and listen to Laird. Now, I was not a huge fan of the next book I read, Max Berry's Providence. The last twist involving the setting was, however, super effective and a cool moment, and that twist pretty much made up for, made up, well, most of my enjoyment of the book. The book's not bad, and there are a few elements to really enjoy, 
But with all the amazing science fiction out there, it just wasn't super high on my list. This is a military sci-fi book, so military sci-fi completionists should definitely check it out. And military sci-fi is generally or often about the absurd nature of war, and that's what this is about, and that's not a bad thing. I just wish more effort was given to the world building. All right. Now, the next book I read is The Mirage by Matt, Matt Ruff. Now, it's an interesting book because it's a little bit older than Lovecraft Country, which is the book that's made Matt Ruff famous, especially in the last three weeks. The Lovecraft Country has been on HBO. And I think most readers of this book found it backtracking from Lovecraft Country after they read that. While Lovecraft Country might be a better novel, I think I enjoyed the experience of reading The Mirage even more. The book is an alternate history farce of the war on terror and the awful foreign policy of the G.W. Bush years. And I think that some readers took that alternate history aspects a little too seriously when they were nitpicking the aspects of the false history. I think you're missing the point. There are laugh-out-loud moments in the book, but this is not a goofy satire. I like the balance that Ruff strikes in this book. It works in three modes. Bizarre, bizarro satire, political commentary, uncomfortable reflection. And you know what? I like all those modes that that Ruff is experimenting in, and the experiment is simple. A flip of the war on terror. Using the tools of science fiction and alternate history, he sets this book in the United Arab States that was formed after World War II in the ashes of colonialism. There's a lot of comparisons, of course, to Man in the High Castle, and that's obvious reason why, but if you're comparing the two, you're missing the point of both books. In High Castle, PKD was making a point about the narrative of history not always being, or that you're not always able to trust the narrative of history, basically. There is no binary, like, this world, that world going on in High Castle. Um, the world where the Allies won in the novel, inside the novel of High Castle, with the gra grasshopper lies heavy, is not exactly our world. But the Mirage does set up this binary reality. There's a condition where people believe in our world. And Mustafa, the main detective character, finds a copy of the New York Times on September 12th that appears from our world. The Mirage is not a narrative about history. It's about the war on terror. And the point, um, the point is to show Americans that this war would look how it would look if the roles were reversed. So, the binary take is fine and makes sense. But the last twist of The Mirage is terrible and problematic. It didn't ruin the book for me, but... It really, really did. Almost, It almost knocked down the book from a five-star to a four-star book for me. Just that twist at the end. Uh, but it's a huge spoiler, so I'm not going to talk about it. But if you want to go um, read my review, I did spoil it there. Uh, but I think you should read the book. I still think you should read the book. Next, I read The Deep by River Solomon, David Diggs, William... Hudson and Jonathan Snipes. This is my second River Solomon book this summer. They were the author of the powerful generation ship novel, An Unkindness of Ghosts. Well, River Solomon was. 
that was a powerful debut novel and a great example of Afrofuturism. It was a book I found challenging while I was reading on a couple levels. For one thing, it's a brutal story about slavery in the antebellum South through the lens of science fiction. At the same time, the method of world building was done in a style I didn't really connect with. The thing is, the story stayed with me long after I closed the book. The Deep is a similar book. I enjoyed it as I was reading it, but I liked it even better after I closed it and thought about it more. The most famous person in this book is probably David Davis, famous for originating the role of Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton. He's the frontman of the Afrofuturist hip-hop group Clipping. And this whole book was based on a concept song by the band Clipping. So it was a song first, and then River Solomon was the one, I think, who turned it into the novel. But they all got writing credit because it's based on the song. The Deep is a novel that is heavy on atmosphere and tone, and the concept is high but not explained in details. It's a book about um, merpeople who were discarded slaves, uh, discarded pregnant slaves were thrown into the ocean, and the... And their descendants grew up to be merpeople, basically. Um, Sci-fi readers who want things to be literal and fully explained should not read The Deep. It is more surreal and more fantasy than that. Um, And, you know, starting as a hip-hop tune into a concept novel, it's uh, really beautifully strange and and, um, a cool book. So I'm not going to say a ton here on the next book I read. That's Survivor Song, because I just released a two-part um, panel discussion and interview with Paul yesterday, but I'll just point out here in case you haven't read my review or listened to those episodes that Stephen King said he had trouble putting this book down and who might argue with Stephen King. He made a lot of comparisons to Richard Matheson. And, um, I will say that survivor song is a scarier roller coaster of emotions. And if you allow yourself to fall into the spell of it, it's also a bit of a tearjerker. The wall between scares and tears is super thin in this book, and that's what makes it special. The next book I read after Survivor's Song was Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. Now, she's she's playing with well-known gothic tropes and a classic of feminist literature here and kind of updating those themes. Not all the way up to modern times because the book is set in the 50s. But that being said... um, with the setting characters and the subtle political theme, it makes the execu- it's the execution that makes this novel 100% unique and the product of a singular voice in Silvia Marino Garcia. This book is like spooky, atmospheric, gothic in the first two, act, probably two thirds of the book, and then the final act is where it gets kind of bonkers. And I was surprised by the balance of the social justice message that kind of comes in towards the end, but it's delivered with a really subtle touch. It might get overlooked by some readers who are just having fun with the weird and the monster-driven final act. But everything happens in the closing moments of the book, and it's totally earned um, with the slow build and the slow burn and the very character-driven gothic stuff in the beginning. But the novel wouldn't work with without the characters and the setting being interesting. And Silvia Moreno-Garcia gives the setting a a creeping beauty that evokes the classic Gothic feel. It sucks you in and it makes you feel comfortable and upsets those expectations in the final pages. 
So the last book I read of the month is Mallory by Josh Mallerman. And I understand the first question I need to answer in this review is, is is the sequel a worthy follow-up? And in every way I can say it is as good as the first book and even surpasses it. The main way that Mallory passes, passes Bird Box... Excuse me. The main way that Bird Box... Uh, or that Mallory passes Bird Box is an unhappy accident. Mallerman could not have known when he was writing this book pre-pandemic that he would be releasing it into this environment. While America is debating the virtues of wearing a mask versus the idea of safety taking away a person's freedom, Mallory is a very timely book. Almost as much so as the first book I read this month, A Song for a New Day. The blindfold debate between Mallory and her son is almost, mere, is almost eerie at moments in this book, and it added a level of importance to the themes in a way I was not expecting. The power of this debate in the novel is set up in the first book because Mallory knows that the thin piece of fabric is keeping her alive and sane. The final act leaves me wondering whether Mallerman set up a perfect lead-in for a third book or providing an ending that we are constantly building to. I don't know the answer, but this could be the end and it would be satisfying or and the journey could be open to more interpretations. So in a way, it was a great ending because it would be fine with either path. And that's one of the cool things here. That is, you know... And the issue comes down to with Mallory, just like Bird Box, if you connect to the characters, it's going to work. It's not going to be scary if you don't connect to the characters. Because at the heart of every horror story ever told is, will you connect to the shoes laid out in front of you? Mallerman cannot do more to build empathy here, in my opinion. Mallory, Tom, and Olympia are perfect horror characters in that sense, and I was nervous for them throughout the experience, and that makes it an effective novel an effective horror story, and in this case, most importantly, an effective sequel to the masterpiece that it followed up. And yes, I do think Bird Box was a masterpiece, uh, much more so than is, the movie was fine, but the book is, is so much better, specifically because the first 70 pages are completely different um, in the novel Bird Box. So no easy task there, but um, Mallerman did all those things. So um, coming up soon on Postcards from a Dying World, we will get a chance to talk to Josh about the writing of Mallory. And so look forward to that. All right, that's uh, what I read in August. Oh, well, and I also read The Ganymede Takeover by Philip K. Dick. Um, but I did that for the Dickheads podcast, so you'll have to follow the Dickheads podcast to get my thoughts and review of that. So thanks for joining us on Postcards from a Dying World, and we'll see you in September with the September Reads. We've got some stuff coming up by Guillermo del Toro, Oliver Stone, Stephen Graham Jones, N.K. Jemison. Um, so fun stuff coming. <laughs>